Amen. Well, we're uh, continuing with our study dealing with this issue of what should be my attitude toward my job and my employer. And so we've been dealing with that for a while. We're going to continue that tonight. And then, of course, uh, we'll, we'll just keep on going. We've got another probably two, one or two more uh, lessons in that particular area. Sunday nights, I'm going to start a new series here. Not this Sunday night, of course, because we have our... Uh, we have our... Um, um, 2 Timothy 2, 2 night, the teenagers will be doing some things, uh, but I'm going to start talking about why you need to keep your mouth shut, or when to keep your mouth shut. When to keep your mouth shut. That's going to be the next series on Sunday nights, okay? When to keep your mouth shut. 
And so <clears throat> we're going to talk a little bit about that, okay? So that's pretty practical, isn't it? All right, we hear our parents tell us that all the time, shut your mouth. And uh, our wives, well, I mean, I, I mean your wives. And uh, so, you know, things like that. But anyway, we'll have a good time with that. <clears throat> well, I just thought I'd share this with you tonight. I, I really think it's important. I just feel like the uh, atmosphere tonight's a little bit heavy. So I thought maybe I'd tell you about a mechanic that was uh, removing a cylinder head from the motor of a Harley-Davidson motorcycle <clears throat> when he spotted a well-known heart surgeon in his shop. The surgeon was there, you know, waiting for the service manager to come take a look at his bike. And uh, the mechanic shouted across the garage, Hey, Doc, can I ask you a question? The surgeon, he was kind of surprised, actually. But he walked over to the mechanic working on the motorcycle. The mechanic straightened up, wiped his hands on a rag and asked, So, Doc, look at this engine. I open its heart, take valves out, fix them, put them back in. And when I finish, it works just like new. So how come I get such small, a small salary and you get a really, really big bucks? When you and I, you know, think about it, Doc, when you and I are basically doing the same work. The surgeon paused, he smiled, and he leaned over and he whispered to the mechanic. He said, try doing it with the engine running. That's pretty good, isn't it? <clears throat> I'd tell you the other joke, but you'd think it was crude. I'll wait for the singles. I'll tell that to them. Yeah, I know. If some of you guys are like that, you would enjoy that crude joke. I know. I know. But this is a refined evening that we're involved in. It's very refined. Luke chapter 2, verse 52, our passage here in our, our, our Bibles. We've been dealing with this for a while. We're going to take, I mean, just fly through very, very quickly and just kind of set the stage again. And then we're going to jump right into some things. Tonight, we're going to be dealing with something that's a little bit different. We're going to talk about, you know, what does the Bible, you know, how does the Bible show or what does the Bible show us, excuse me, the Bible also shows like the employer's position, the supervisor's position, how they're to relate to those that are under their leadership. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that. And here's the thing, although you may not be a supervisor at work, you are a leader. And so the principles that we're going to address, and they're, they're all just a few basic ones, we're going to talk about a few things. And, and I think that you'll find it interesting. By the way, up there on the computer, you're going to find under uh, a sound booth, and then you're going to look on, uh, under sound booth, you'll see uh, presentations. And then you're going to find a, a, a uh, file up there in there that I just put in today. It says 2018 at the end, and it has something to do with, um, what did I name it? I can't even remember what I named it now. You'll find it. It's got two... Uh, triangles on it. You'll see it. Talk, deals with responsibility. He's got it. See, they already got it. All right. They're very good like that. I really can't write anything down. I have to give them pictures up there. But anyway. <clears throat> okay. So maybe that's not true. I'm glad they weren't really listening at the time. They might've been offended by that. But nonetheless, um, at least some of you were listening. That's good news. And that was really the only reason I said it, just to see if you were engaged already today. I really didn't mean that. But anyway, here we go. <clears throat> All right. So Luke chapter 2, verse 52. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. And as we deal with this issue of the attitude toward my job and my employer, and we look at Jesus Christ's life, I got to thinking, you know, <clears throat> when it's all said and done, if we're going to be the kind of employee we ought to be, we're going to interact with our, our, our co-workers and so forth properly, then we need to be growing in favor with God and man. And, and that ought to be our desire. And so many times there's so much conflict at work, you know what I mean? That's really a problem. We really shouldn't be seeking conflict. We should be seeking, uh, you know, uh, <clears throat> to, to get along with everybody, right? 
I mean, as much as life in you, live peaceably with all men. We know that. And so we're trying to do that. And we began to talk about some things, and we said, first of all, all saved people are called to full-time Christian service. So immediately now, we try to set the stage and the tone, and we say, listen, when you're off at work, then guess what? You're already on the clock, and you have to be very careful because you represent the Lord Jesus Christ in the kingdom of God. And so that's important right off the bat. We said that, that, that the believers on the clock 24-7, that there's none of this really you know, part-time Christianity. We're all full-time Christians. And so we need to live like it, act like it, because we're being a testimony wherever we work and wherever, we're, 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 wherever our job is. Then we said also, uh, we pointed out what the primary purpose of our job was, and we said it was to support our ministry. And the truth is, is that your first ministry is to your family. Your second ministry, we said, was to your church family. Your next ministry is to reach the lost and to truly make an impact in the culture and the world in which we live. And uh, we said, really... Uh, we, we went on, I should say, excuse me, to say or ask the question, what should be my attitude toward uh, my job? Uh, because let's be honest, sometimes we have a pretty critical, pretty negative attitude toward work. And uh, we've said that we should view our job as a ministry opportunity, not just a job. Uh, and, and again, when we understand that we're full-time, 24-7 Christians, that makes that a little bit easier to understand. And, and we kind of made the point, listen, our job or our workplace is a mission field. And so we ought to view it as a mission field, and we ought to look at it as an opportunity to reach people with the gospel. And the truth is, is that we probably have more influence, or the opportunity at least, to have greater influence in the lives of our co-workers than we do pretty much anywhere else but our homes as a whole, because we spend more time with them. And uh, so we, we noted that, we talked about that, and uh, then we finally, uh, just the other week, the last couple times we met, talked about what attitude should I have toward my superiors uh, supervisors, you can call them superiors, call them whatever you want, supervisors and the company I work for. What should be your attitude towards your supervisors and the company you work for? Well, we said, number one, serve as if the Lord Jesus Christ were your employer. Number two, we said, respect the authority of their position. Number three, we said, respect your company's property. It doesn't belong to you. We said, number four, respect your company's time. Do eight hours of work for eight hours of pay. And finally, and then we also said, you're to do your very best to help the company succeed and make your employer look good. Sometimes that's one of those ones that feels like, you, you know, you, it's going to hurt to do, but it's not. It's important that we do those things. And we took some time to, to talk about five ways that we can uh, kind of go beyond and, and make a difference in those areas. And finally, we ended, mind your own business and don't let someone else's laziness affect you. And so that's kind of where we ended up. And so today, I want to begin with this topic and this thought, as I mentioned already. The Bible also shows the employer or supervisor how to relate to those under his leadership. And so I want to look at that just a little bit. I'm not going to take a lot of time, but just kind of tonight, just kind of consider those thoughts. And what it ends up being in some, at some point is kind of just addressing and dealing with leadership. And the fact is, is that there's not one person in the room that isn't a leader to someone. So there's something that all of us can glean and grow from here. It's something we can get, we can all get something from this lesson. So I encourage you to keep your ears open and your hearts open and let's let God do what he wants to do in our lives tonight. So let's have a word of prayer. Father, we come to you. We thank you again for just allowing us to gather so that we can glean from your word. And Lord, in gleaning from your word, we then can grow. We're asking, Father, that you would speak to us through your word, through your spirit. And Lord, just drive home your truths. And Lord, may we be better for having been here. May we have principles and truths that we can apply to our lives. And we'll thank you, Father. And, and we'll give you the glory for what will be accomplished in Christ's name. Amen. 
Now, first of all, dealing with this um, uh, employer-supervisor relating to those under their leadership, if you are in any position of leadership, first of all, treat those that you're in charge of justly and equally. Trust, trust, uh, treat those that are in, you're in charge of justly and equally. And along with that, you need to be consistent and fair in your dealings with them. Whether, whether it has to do with pay, whether it has to do with problems, whether it has to do with promotion, you're going to have to deal with them consistently and fairly. So those are things we have to consider. Colossians chapter 4, verse 1. In that passage, it says, Masters, give unto your servants that which is just and equal, knowing that ye also have a master in heaven. That's pretty clear that he says we're to be just and equal. Why? Because you know you have a master in heaven. What he's saying is that you know for, for a fact that you've got someone that's uh, uh, watching over you, that's your, in a sense, subordinate to, that you owe uh, a debt to. Your master in heaven's watching over you, and you want him to be fair with you. You want him to be just with you. You better be fair and just with those that you are uh, now, uh, in a sense, uh, over and trying to uh, guide and direct there. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 9. Ephesians 6, 9 says, And ye masters, do the same things unto them, forbearing threatening, knowing that your master also in heaven, neither is there respect of persons with him. Um, again, you know your master's also in heaven. You've got a master too. I've got one too. So maybe you're over someone. Maybe you're over a department. Maybe you're over just a whole classroom of kids. It doesn't matter. You need to always remember and never forget that you have a master too. And he's watching as well. So you need to be fair and just. You need to be consistent in your dealings with them. Why? Because you want God to be consistent in your dealings, his dealings with you. See, we, w- we might be wise to remember the golden rule here. Remember the golden rule over in Matthew 7, 12? I know I'm throwing a lot of scripture out. If you just want those, you can write them out. But Matthew 7, 12, Therefore all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them. For this is the law of the prophets. Now again, it's a real simple truth here, isn't it? He's saying simply, again, Therefore all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them. You know, how many times we said, I wish they would just treat me with respect. I just wish that some, that person wouldn't do that. I wish this person, and then here we are doing the same thing to them that we want them, that, that we don't want them to do to us. Well, we need to do to them what they, what we, you know, what we want them to do to us. So for instance, if, if we want to get a little grace exhibited in our lives toward us, don't they understand my motives? Don't they realize where I'm coming from? Can't they see that I'm sincere? But when we deal with them, we don't act like we can see those things in them. I'm just saying, he's being very clear here. And so when it comes to leadership, when it comes to you, whether you're a supervisor uh, or whether, at, at, on a job site or whether you're just uh, over the home or, or you're dealing with children in a Sunday school class or on a bus route, I, I think it's important that we treat those that we're in charge of justly and equally, that we consider them and we look at them and say, wait a second, I wanna, I wanna treat them, uh, I, I'm going to treat them the way I want treated. If it was me on the bus I would want them to give me some consideration. I'd want them to think about uh, my situation. If I said I didn't do it, I'd want them to believe what I said. Unless you catch them in a bold-faced lie on the bus, captains, you really can't say they're lying until you catch them. And you give them the benefit of the doubt, at least until you catch them. 
I mean, I don't, you don't call somebody a liar to their face if you don't know for a fact they stole from you. I mean, how would you feel if somebody did that to you? And you say, I know that kid. Yeah, and when somebody says, I know who, I know a little bit about you, and you go, you don't know nothing about me. You know what you're really saying? Uh, treat me the way I deserve to be treated. Well, you treat people the way you expect to be treated then. That's the golden rule again. Now, I'm not saying that if you catch them stealing that you go, that's all right, Sonny. If I got caught stealing, I wouldn't want to go to jail either. I, I, you know, that's, that's, that's not what we're expressing and that, that's not what we're dealing with. But what I'm saying is, is that so many times we need to be very, very mindful of this idea of the golden rule. Therefore, all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them, for this is the law and the prophets. And by the way, we can never forget the principle of reaping and sowing, can we? I mean, we got to be careful with that reaping and sowing. Galatians 6, 7. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. Go ahead, treat people in a negative, critical way. Be mean and nasty to folks. Go ahead and, and, and be a, a, a backbiter and talk bad about people. Go ahead and do that and see how it affects you, your life, your family, your marriage. I'm just telling you, don't you think for a minute you're going to get away with anything. The way you treat people and the way you act toward others, I promise you it comes back to bite you. You be kind to people. I've often said, listen, I can't control whether someone stays or, or goes from Community Baptist Temple. I can't whether they, they remain or they leave. I can't control that all the time. But here's the one thing I can control. It's me. And the one thing I don't want people to be able to say if they leave Community Baptist Temple is, he was unkind to me. No, I don't want that. They may leave and say, I didn't agree with him, and I don't like him, and I don't agree with him. But they can't say he was unkind. I'm not going to get in there and cuss at him, scream at him, yell at him. Be mean and nasty to them. Try to rip their heart out. I'm not going to do that. It's not my job to convict them. It's not my job to change them. It's God's job to do that. And listen, people aren't always going to agree with the standards. They're not always going to agree with the program. They're not always going to agree with the preaching. They're not always going to agree with a lot of things. But listen, I'm not responsible for that. I'm only responsible to be obedient to God where I'm at. And you know what? When they leave, if they leave, and we were very fortunate, we don't have a bunch of people running out of the doors of Community Baptist. But I'm just saying, if someone would leave, I'm telling you, I don't want them to be able to say he was unkind. They say a lot of things, but I don't want them to have to, I don't want them to say that. No, 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 no. And, being, and it's not being unkind, telling someone the truth in love. And I'm talking about loving now. I'm not talking about, well, I'll tell you a little bit about yourself. No, I'm not talking about that kind of tell them. I'm saying when you share something with somebody that's truth and they just don't want to hear it, sometimes that's received pretty poorly. And you have no intention of hurting them at all. So those things happen. And, you know, you have that in your life too. But all I want you to understand is if you were dealing with someone Will you deal with them like you would want them to deal with you? And remember, you reap what you sow. And I reap what I sow. So make sure that you're following after this golden rule in your life. Make sure that you're remembering this principle of reaping and sowing. And treat those that you're in charge of justly and equally. And that includes your own kids even. And be consistent and fair in your dealings with them. And whether it, and again, if it's in the workplace, whether it has to do with pay, be fair about it. Or problems that they're going through, be fair about it. it promotions, be fair about it. And again, just because someone's been in a, a business longer doesn't mean they're the one that should get the promotion, by the way. But you have to be fair about it. 
If the standards are outlined and delineated and it's very clear and one person's more qualified than the next, whether they've been there less or longer, doesn't matter. The fact is, is that if this is what demands or what the requirement is, whoever meets the requirement, that's what's fair. And I know that's not popular, but that's a reality. If I, I don't even go into details. And I don't want to go into some even, we don't, we don't have time to get into scenarios. And sometimes my mind's going a million miles a minute. And I think about like, oh yeah, this is a good illustration. I'm going to skip the illustrations right now. So moving on. So first of all, treat those that you're in charge of justly and equally. Be consistent and fair in your dealing with them, whether it has to do with pay, problems, or promotion. Number two is that we deal with uh, how the employer supervisor should relate to those under their leadership. Be careful that those you're leading don't simply become stepping stones to your next promotion. Be careful that those that you're leading don't simply become stepping stones to your next promotion. Now, this one sounds a little bit more focused on the workplace, but I think it could be also in the church even at times. You know, I'm just saying we need to be careful. The principle's true no matter where we're at in life. Um, Sadly, the truth is, as human beings, we can become consumed by our own self-interest. Uh, you know, we can get so consumed with our own self-interest that we don't really consider the needs of those around us. Turn, if you would, to Philippians chapter 2, verses 2 through 3. Philippians 2. Philippians 2, verse 2 and 3. The Apostle Paul, of course, is speaking to the church of Philippi, and he makes the statement, chapter 2, verse 2 and 3, Fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Wow. We know that's a tough one. Someone says, well, that doesn't apply to the workplace. Well, if you're a Christian employer you ought to be thinking about your employees too. Now, I'm not saying that you have to, and we'll get into that. I'm going to talk about that in a minute too. But the fact is, is, that, is that still as a Christian employer, as a Christian supervisor, you, know, you, you ought to be very aware that, listen, other people matter too. Not just you, not just your future, not just your next promotion. That there's a little bit more at stake here than just whether or not you get, the, the next, get to the next level. Remember, your reputation reflects on Christ. You got to be careful. And so God's setting and laying, or should I say, laying down some foundational principles that help us to function not just in the work, not just in the home and in the church and in life, but in the workplace. So we got to be very careful. We, we, we got to be careful that we're not simply, you know, using the people, using people below us, so to speak, as stepping stones to the next level, to the next promotion. Now, I'm going to share an observation I have through the years, okay? Because I think it's important, because sometimes as believers, um, as Christians, people get the idea that as Christians, you're never allowed to do what's right. You say, wait, no, we're supposed to do what's right all the time. Not Not if it means hurting someone. For instance, you got an employee that isn't faithful to work, isn't consistent at work, and you have to let him go. Someone goes, you're supposed to be a Christian, you did that to him and his family? Well, that's not fair. That's not fair either. 
So let me say this. My observation is yes, is this. It used to be that the employer provided work for an employee that enabled the employee to reach personal and family goals. That was what they did. The, the employer provided work so that the employee could reach personal and family goals. That, that was how it used to be. The employee understood this simple contract. Here it is. Here's the simple contract that the employee used to understand. I work, you pay. I work, you pay. And that was the simple contract. But in my, from my observations through the years, it seems that today, more than ever, many employees expect their employers not to only pay them for their work, but be considerate of their personal plight and well-being. It's not enough to pay me what I deserve. You also have to be very considerate of me, my time, my family, and everything else. Now, oh, hold on. Let me, let me go, go here a second. So I'm going to give you an example now. Um, someone says, my boss is so mean. Why is your boss mean? He expects me to be on time. Doesn't he realize how tough it is to get here some mornings? Doesn't he know that, you know, okay, so I forgot to set my alarm. Doesn't he realize that you can forget to set your alarm? I mean, the bus was late picking up my kids. Traffic was horrendous today. I wasn't feeling well. I got caught behind a snowplow, a, 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 a slow a snowplow. Yeah, that's a good one coming up soon. But I got caught be, behind a slowpoke getting coffee. Well, why is, your, why is your boss so mean? He expects me to work every day. Every day expects me to come in. I mean, are you kidding? He expects me to actually work while I'm on the clock. I mean, we were just goofing off a minute. It's not like others don't do it. Really? He's so mean, isn't he? She's so mean just because, wow. What else? Why, why is he or she so mean? Well, they don't understand that I have other responsibilities that at, time are, that at times are more important than being at work. Well, that's right. Employers are supposed to worry about your personal lives. Now, hold on. I, I'm just saying these are my observations through the years. It used to be that it didn't matter. You show up to work, you get paid. If you don't show up to work, you either, you either uh, don't get paid and eventually lose your job. It was that simple. And the employee understood my boss is not going to coddle me. My boss is not going to caress me. My boss is not going to make sure that my life is well and worry about my marriage and my family. All he cares about, all she cares about, is that I get my job done. He acts, she acts like all that matters is the job and the success of the company. Wait a second. If you want a job... That ought to be a priority for you, too, that they succeed. Do you know they only pay me when I work? I know somebody that gets six weeks vacation. I only get one. They don't pay me unless I work. Well, I'm going to tell you, there's a real simple solution to that. Work. Or number two, find another job. But quit complaining about it. There's nothing in God's word that says you ought to make three weeks vacation or four weeks vacation. As a matter of fact, the Bible says if you don't work, you don't eat. 
I bet you only go to work when you get paid. You expect them to pay you when you're not there? So I suppose you'll go to work when you don't get paid. You say, well, that's stupid. So why is it stupid if they don't pay you if you don't work? I'm just saying it works both ways. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying if you don't like something, get another job, but don't complain about it because really biblically, unless you're working, you shouldn't get paid anyway. Somebody said, I don't like where this is going. That's okay, but this is a sign of where our cultures come. And even Christians today have bought into the idea that someone else is responsible for my happiness. We don't even look to God anymore anymore. It's our employer. Our employer owes us some time off. Our employer owes us this. And I'm just saying, being a good boss doesn't mean that they're going to let you slip and be late every other day and that they're going to allow you to miss work because, well, the dog got sick and you had to take it to the vet. I'm just saying, you got to understand, that doesn't mean that you got a bad boss. That just means you got to be at work to get paid. Now, if they give you some of those perks and they're very kind to you about that, you ought to just thank God in heaven, that you got a, a, a supervisor, a boss, or a company that is, is good like that and gives you that opportunity or those, that leeway. But something, I don't know. I, I'm just saying these are observations I've made. We, we just live in a day when everyone is supposed to care about our feelings, care about our needs, care about our desires. And if they don't, guess what? They're just a meanie, meanie. Uh, we got to grow some thicker skin, folks. Now, I know that's kind of off the topic a little bit, but I guess what I'm trying to say is, is you got an employer. Don't go to your employer or your, or your boss and say, well, you know what? Uh, in lowliness of mind, you need to esteem me better than you. That's what I guess I'm trying to say. Let's be careful that we have the right balance here. Yes, as a Christian, that should be what you're seeking to do. You ought to want to do those things, and you ought to try your best to be that kind of testimony example at work where the rules permit you to do that. But many of your bosses do not have the authority to say it's okay for you to be late. It's okay for you to miss work. It's okay for you to not to do this or not to do that. You don't want to do that job? That's all right. I'll find someone else to do it. I'll pay you anyway. They don't have that authority many times, and that doesn't make them a bad supervisor. Now, each of us is wise to find the best job and employer that we can possibly find. And I'm going to tell you something. If you're not making what you think you deserve, go find a job where you can. Man, if you don't get the benefit package that you think you'd like, then go find another job where you can get it. I mean, take steps, get an education, do whatever it takes. I'm just saying it's okay to want those things and it's all right to get those things. But there's nothing in the Bible that guarantees a day off. I say from, the, from your perspective, biblically, a Christian eats when he works. And as an employer, though, from a Christian perspective, you're to esteem others better than self. That's all I'm saying, but we got to maintain it. Don't expect the world to treat us this way. But as believers, we ought to be doing that the best we can. But that doesn't mean, and we may mention it of some other things. Okay, number C. Let's move on, because this is a real uncomfortable topic. I feel it. Number, uh, the third one. Don't bite off more than you can chew. When you're dealing with 
this issue of leadership, dealing with others. I'm saying this, don't bite off more than you can chew. And here's what I guess I'm saying. Remember to consider the following points whenever a promotion or transfer opportunity presents itself. Here's a couple things you ought to think about when a promotion or maybe a transfer comes along. And I'm not going to touch on everything that I'd like to, but let me just touch on a couple thoughts. First of all, there's a tremendous principle found in the book of Luke chapter 16. Turn there, would you? Luke 16, verse 10. And I'm going to use the verse and then kind of make a, a point here under this, the, uh, under this principle. Great, a great principle, I guess. Simple principle. Luke chapter 16, verse 10. Notice what it says. It says, And he, he that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. Now, I want to focus on that first phrase. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. Now, again, I understand faithfulness. We're consistent, so forth, doing the little things uh, well, that kind of thing. But here's the point I want to make along with this passage. Be sure you can handle what you have now. The temptation is always to want more. It's to want to take the next step. It's to go up the ladder. It's to get the better pay. It's to have more people under you. It's to, to ultimately rise probably to a, another position of authority or, or so forth. You got to be careful when you do those things. I'm moving, I'm moving my family and I'm going down here to take a supervisor job or I'm going down here to take this, this plan or I'm taking this job over here to, to move up in another, in another job assignment and they're going to give me a promotion and all. That's fine. Listen, I get it. I, I got a whole lot of things to say about moving. But anyway, the fact is, is, that, is that you better be careful you can handle what you already have. You say, what do you mean? Well, this applies not only to the workplace, but it applies in your marriage, in your family, in your home as well. It's a principle you got to understand. You may be quite capable. You may be qualified to perform the task at hand. No questions asked. But at what cost to you and your family? you you got to weigh this out now. you got to ask yourself, okay, how am I doing with where I'm at? Are we already having a little bit of problems? Is me and my wife not seeing eye to eye on, on the direction that I'm going in my, my career? Are, is there some friction here? Are my children being lost because my job is consuming my life already, but I want another promotion on top of it that's going to require and demand even more of my time, more of my attention, and more of my focus? You better ask yourself, how's this going to affect my family, my marriage, my life going forward? Again, you may be able to do the job, but there's more people at stake. There's more lives at stake than just you. Make sure that you're not struggling with balance already in your life. Because if you are, you're likely to crash and burn with any additional responsibility. Also, in light of this idea, some of these points, don't bite off more than you can chew. You need to realize the more responsibility you have, the more potential there is for problems to rise. In Ecclesiastes 8, verse 9, the Bible says, All this have I seen and applied my heart unto every work that is done under the sun. There is a time wherein one man ruleth over another to his own hurt. And listen, just because you get a position of authority or because you take a step in the right direction in management doesn't mean that your life gets less complicated. I promise you it's probably more complicated. And, and number three, under that whole thought there, remember to consider these thoughts. 
Don't bite off more than you can chew. Here's the third thought. Realize the more responsibilities that you have, the more time and energy is demanded. Be sure your new responsibility will not hinder your service for God. Be careful. Just be very careful. I'm going to give you a brief leadership lesson now. You got the slide? If you can find it, go ahead and put it up there. Leaders can give up anything except responsibility. They can almost give up anything except responsibility, either for themselves or their ministries. You can't give that up. You can't give it up. Now, John D. Rockefeller said, and this is, oh boy, it's a lot harder to see than I thought it would be. I believe that every right implies a responsibility, he said. Every opportunity, an obligation. Every possession, a duty. John D. Rockefeller. I'll read that again, because that's important. John D. Rockefeller, very rich man, by the way, successful in the business world, said, I believe that every right implies a responsibility. Every opportunity, an obligation. Every possession, a duty. Now, I want you to notice something about our triangles here, and I'm going to read them because obviously it's hard to see. But we have on the left rights, we have the right responsibility. Now, again, many of us, you know, we want, we want a position, We want to be in a place of authority. We feel like if we rise up and we get that next position, then we'll have everybody else doing our work for us. Our problems will go away. It'll be so much easier when we just tell everybody else what to do. That's really not how it works. So here's how it works. Rights. Rights decrease as you climb in the organization. So at first, when you're just a customer, you got all kinds of rights. The customer's always right, right? Well, it's supposed to be. Anymore, you never know. Then as a worker, guess what? If you work there, you got less rights than you had as a customer. But, but let me tell you, if you're a leader in that company, you got less rights than anybody. See, the fact is, is that your rights decrease as you move up in, in, in position. But notice this, responsibility Because we get the idea that with leadership, there's less of a responsibility. That it's got to be easier, right? Because we got all these people to do what we tell them. But the truth is, is that as you move along the way here, responsibility increases as you climb in the organization. As a customer, you have no responsibility. Virtually nothing. As a customer, yep, you got some responsibility. As a leader, guess what? You're bearing it. You've got all the responsibility. Now listen, I don't care how high you climb, with every step higher that you climb in leadership, you have greater responsibility. See, that's what's the, 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 some people make leadership look easy. Some people, it just, you look at them, you go, man, that leadership stuff's easy. Look at, they, they don't ever have any problems. It's going smoothly for them. They don't have to deal with any problems. Look at that. They got to figure it out. Let me tell you something. People that make leadership look easy really mess it up for the rest of us. Because it's not always easy. Boy, I'll tell you what. It's amazing how many people want to stand in a position of authority. But when it's all said and done, they don't want the responsibility. And that's a, I'm just trying to teach you a, a, a leadership, kind of a, a leadership lesson. Because the truth is, is that all of us are leaders in some respects. 
You say, well, I'm just a teenager. No, I'm not leading anybody. You'd be surprised. You might be leading a brother or sister that's younger. You might be leading somebody else in the youth group without even realizing it. You might be an example to somebody, maybe a mom or dad, that you never even realized you were. And I'm going to tell you something. The more people that are watching you, the more people that are being influenced by you is the greater responsibility you have. You do not have a right to go out there and mess up in your life and do whatever you want to do because there's somebody dependent on you. And unfortunately, that's where we're at in our businesses. That's where we're at in our lives. If we're not careful, we get the idea that leadership is cheap. But it isn't cheap. You lose your rights and you gain responsibility as you move up. Whether it's the ministry, whether it's at work, whether it's in the home even. Talk to anybody that's a parent of more than two children. And then talk to somebody that's a parent of more, at least four or more children. And ask yourself, do your responsibilities increase or decrease with more people under you? You know what you find? It gets more complicated all the time and there's more people depending on you. And boy, your responsibilities keep increasing and your rights keep going. It's just the way it is. And I'm going to close with that one. I'm not even going to get to number four. We'll probably never get to it. But with this increase, again, we see this responsibility. And, and again, here's, here's the problem. With the increase in responsibility, you and I can be tempted to sacrifice our devotion and service to God. It's so tempting. Because the responsibilities are rising. I don't need it. You're good. But the responsibilities are rising and, and you're losing your rights and you feel like you're getting squelched out of time. You don't have as much time as you had. You feel like you're, you don't have the, the, the freedom that you used to have. And it's like everybody's demanding things of you. And, and you have less time than ever. And now all of a sudden you've got to make a decision. Who's going to lose out? I made a big decision a long time ago in my life. First person to lose is me. I lose every time right off the bat. I lose sleep. I lose mental stability. Sanity. (laughs) I lose. Not my wife. She didn't sign on for this in that sense. Not my children. They didn't sign on for it. God put me here in this position. And although my wife is there for me and supporting me and encouraging me and we're walking through it together, the fact is is that I decided if somebody's got to put in 16 hours a day, 18 hours a day, whatever it is, I tell you this, I'm the one that's going to lack sleep. Those kids will not do without a dad. And that woman will not do without a husband. And I'm going to tell you what, that is not always easy, I promise you that. And the truth is, some of you know what I'm talking about. You've been there, or maybe you are there. And you go home from work dragging so bad, you can't even get in the chair hardly. But then again, you can't get in the chair because you've got little kids you still have to take care of, deal with. And I'm not talking about cleaning them up and feeding them. No, daddy's coming home from work. He should be able to be a dad. Play with your kids. Enjoy your children. Somebody, you don't like that? That's okay. But I'm telling you, we've got a backwards, upside-down culture and society today. It'd be nice if men would be men for a change. It'd be nice if women were content to be women. Daddy might be able to be a daddy if he didn't have to be a mommy. And mommy might be able to be a mommy if she didn't have to be a daddy today. Preacher, we love you for that kind of talk. Yeah, I know. I'm moving on, trust me, because I just felt the bottom drop out. 
But the affairs of this life can redirect our allegiances. I'm telling you, be careful with your allegiances. When you start raising, going up in responsibility, and you know what? We can never forget who we owe the greatest debt of service to. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, What know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and you're not your own? For you're bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit which are God's. The first thing that gets lost often in our lives is our service for the Lord, our, 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 our relationship to Christ. It suffers right off the bat often whenever those responsibilities increase and our rights decrease. Pretty soon, we're stealing his time. Be careful, because I promise you this. There's nothing, there's no one in this world that's better for your children, your wife, your family, yourself, than the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, you can do without a lot of things in life, my friend, but you can't do without him if you're honest. And if you really want success in the Christian life called good success, according to Joshua 1.9, my friend, you cannot, you cannot leave God out. But be careful. As a supervisor, as a leader, as someone out front, you're going to find your time demands increase substantially. The requirement, the stress levels may rise, but you cannot get rid of the only one that can truly make the difference in your life. And that's him, Jesus Christ. Treat people with respect. Share your heart. Let people know your vision. Tell them where you're going. Lead people. Don't step on people. Don't use them as stepping stones. And treat people the way you want treated. Those are all good principles for leadership. They're great principles in the workplace, at home, with our children, with those even at the house of God. Father, we come to you. We thank you again for just the opportunity just to look at some scriptures, to consider some thoughts, be reminded of some principles. Father, we need you. Lord, we're complicating life so awfully much. And Lord, with that complication comes great confusion. And Lord, you're not the author of confusion. Help us, Lord, not to be, get lost in the quagmire and the activity of life. Help us, Lord, to keep things simple. To do the simple well. We'll thank you. We'll praise you for it. In Christ's name, amen. Let's all stand up. Every head bowed, every eye closed. The music's playing. If God spoke to your heart or you feel the need to come, you come, won't you? You got to think about others. That's true whether you're just a worker on the bus or you're the boss at work, you got to think about others. You still got to maintain rules, yes. There's got to be order. But boy, you have to give consideration. Try to see people where they're at. Extend to them the grace that you'd want extended to you.